Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We're your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. <sighs> Yay. Yeah. Insert applause, you know, cat calls, all that sort of stuff. We have the button. We have the button. We just don't use it. It's canned, canned people. It's a little, a little sad. Use the canned heat a little bit more. <laughs> Well, we are particularly excited uh, today. Anytime we get an opportunity to do what we are doing, and that is to talk to a creator, somebody that's trying to put something new out into the world, especially an independent creator that doesn't have to kowtow to the to the big companies and decide that uh, decide that it's okay to let them change their ideas. They get to put it out in the world the way they want it to be. This is just a, a true joy. Uh, we are joined by D.P. Brown. Thank you for uh, coming on the show with us today. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm not on mute. Oh, I'm not on mute, am I? <laughs> <laughs> no, not nope. at all. Okay. All right, that's all good. I see the mute on the screen and everything. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm good. But yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, I appreciate coming on. Um, Ken and Rich, um, it's exciting to be here. Let's get down to brass tacks and talk about some good stuff. Absolutely. Called comic culture. So we met at the convention in Cleveland, Ohio, originally known as Wizard World and now known as Fan Expo. And I have to I have to say it, it was a good year. It was it was kind of a, a nice resurgence and I I got particularly excited at at seeing everybody being able to enjoy things again. Are you before even you did this kind of comic book thing that you're doing now, were you a big person that went to a lot of the conventions, or is this more something new with your current project? Well, okay, so I wouldn't I wouldn't say I went to a bunch of conventions or you know convention you know um, you know go or whatever, but I have done like you know conventions as a vendor or co vendor I should say. Um, I have a podcast called Neuropsychopedia that I did a couple conventions with a, a few years back, promoting that at, at um, Still City in Pittsburgh. So I've been there mainly as vendors, but not so much as like, um, you know, a consumer, um, you know, just buying different stuff like, you know, that the consumers do. Um, but this is my first time actually being a vendor for myself um, in, um, in the Cleveland area, at least. Um, I've been doing conventions at, you know, other places and everything like Pittsburgh and Baltimore and stuff. Um, but as far as Cleveland, just coming back from the um, wizard, from the, from, from when they did it a couple years ago, from when they were wizard world, this is the first convention I've had done for myself, you know, as a, as a solo vendor. That's gotta be exciting. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. I mean, um, don't have to, to you were talking about in the intro and everything, kowtow to, you know, um, a publisher or a boss or whatever. I'm my own boss, you know, um, doing what I have to do, what I say, you know, um, and I do give myself, you know, that feedback and everything and, you know, that flack and stuff. But um, I it, the great thing about doing solo is that um, I get to move freely, you know, on my own and everything and actually, you know, um, um I have my own, you know, schedule, you know, I don't have to wait on, you know, another person and what have you. Um, and not to say I didn't mind that, but um, it just gives you just a, a bit more freedom to act, a, you know, act on your own, you know, when you're solo. From a marketing standpoint or from like self-promotion or even just a revenue standpoint, what were your expectations going into uh, this particular convention? Well, I didn't know what to really expect from the Fan Expo convention. Um, I the Still City Con in Pittsburgh um, was a few as a was about two or three weeks before this one, so they they actually do um, a convention about three times a year. If you if you could believe that, three wow. times a year they put on like you know conventions at the Monroeville Convention Center. Now the center is a bit. It's smaller than the um the the uh, Huntington Convention Center in, in Cleveland, but the fact that they put on that many conventions and pack it in as much as they do is a wonderment to me, you know. Um, so coming into this you know convention in Cleveland, I didn't really know what to expect. Like you know, I said before, they haven't had one in like a big one in like a couple years. Um, so, you know, I just went into it calm, um, just, okay, whatever comes, just comes. I sort of get a little bit of anxiety when I do these conventions because, um, 
I'm 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 selling my stuff now and not just, you know, other other, you know, people's stuff. Um, I'm selling my own stuff. So I, you know, I got to meet the fans or, or meet potential customers that ha- I can try to convert as, 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 you know, to to be fans um, and trying to figure out how, you know, I'm going to, you know, do my pitches and, you know, how comfortable I am in my pitches. Um, so, you know, just doing this, this convention, I did, I didn't really know what to expect, but it turned out as you go throughout the day, you get, you know, more adjusted and more you talk to people and then throughout the weekend, it just, you know, flies by. I, uh, I really like one thing, and this is kind of the only thing I'll touch in on that fan expo thing. I really like, and I bet steel city does this too. They really reach out to the, the local community. To, to be a big part of that show and to give it the flavor that it has and to show off what local talent can do. I mean, yeah, you, you go for some of the some of the big names that come to these sorts of things, but the, the real treat often is being able to see the local people that can contribute, even to the extent that, like, when you're watching the panels for the celebrities that were there, the people that were doing the interviewing were local people. Local. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's really important because I mean, this, this, the local vendors and, um, you know, the community, the cosplay community is local, you know, um, they, they, they come up to actually, you know, fill out the convention, make it actually a little bit more homey for, um, for the, the, not only the consumers that, you know, that come to the convention, but you know, the celebrities and everything too, because they want to make it feel, they want to make it feel like a hometown type of thing. And that was a good thing about, you know, fan expo, um, it's, it's a, it's, it's a few differences that I see that, that they could do better, but they have, um, a really good start in coming back. So I expect next year to be a lot, um, a lot more smoother than it, than it was this year. So I guess I'll, I'll touch on the local connection a, a little bit more. Uh, when we were talking about doing the, the interview and I was looking up some of your information, like. My brain wasn't functioning properly, and we've got we've got DP Brown, and then it's Dog Pound Brown, Cleveland. I was like, okay, like it didn't it didn't it didn't make sense, right? <laughs> and then I saw a picture with the with the jersey on. I was like, oh my gosh, how dumb am I, right? So like like okay, now now everything comes together. But I, I want to know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you've got it in your name that you're putting out there, what, what, what that kind of effect from that Cleveland fan base, particularly for the Browns has, because there's been so many ups and downs, right? You know, they, they were there, then they moved to Baltimore and then (laughs) now the team comes back and now you've got the Tim couch era. Right. And then there's like, like I'm a bears fan. So I know how like, the bad football has been the last 40 years. I get it. I understand that. Right. Uh, yeah, you've got a Super Bowl. Well, that's true. That was, I mean, you can only go back so long before you can just quit preaching on the same thing, but <laughs> I want to know what type of influence that has had on you as a content creator. And as you've gone through making these different projects in the podcast, like the nerd culture even like, cause oftentimes the sports culture and the nerd culture don't go hand in hand. So <laughs> how has that kind of, you know, affected you going through the years? That's a great question. That's, that's actually a really good question because I haven't had that type of question as, and I've done like, you know, dozens of interviews and stuff and everything. So I definitely appreciate that, Richard. Um, first and foremost, I'm from Cleveland. And I'm a hardcore, diehard Cleveland Browns fan, first and foremost. Um, <laughs> so if you combine that with the fact that I love comics and stuff, I mean, to me, it just it just goes hand in hand. And the 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 funny thing about you saying that um that the the sports and the um you know the the pop you know nerd culture and everything doesn't really mix. If you're really into something as hard as you are, if, if, especially if you can't play sports or whatever, you're a nerd about it and everything. I love everything about, you know, the Cleveland Browns, the Cavs, the Indians and everything. So, you know, I'm nerd, I'm a, I'm a nerd about that type of stuff as far as like, you know, the players and like, you know, the, the history and everything. So, um, 
if, if you want to relate, you know, as far as like the nerd part about it, it is like a symmetry, you know, between like um, the culture of the um, the sports stuff and the culture of like the comic stuff. So as far as me being named, you know, Doll Pound Brown, I mean, that is a representation of my love for the Cleveland Browns, because I'm like I said, I'm just a, a diehard Browns fan and everything. And I've been um, I'm becoming known throughout like the the pop culture, you know, comic community and everything as this 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 Browns fan. Um, and, and, and it's a branding thing, too. You know, it makes people remember, you You know, um, they people talk to a lot of people, you know, a dozen times and everything. But I come back on interviews and everything. They remember the black guy with the um, cowboy, cowboy hat, hat with the glasses <laughs> and the, um, the 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 um, the jersey, you know, if, you know what I should have worn tonight. And everything. Um, but, yeah, they, they remember that guy, you know, so um, it's it's a it's a, it's it's. It was all calculated and everything, but I mean that's where just that's just where my love comes from. Well, there's a lot to love, uh, especially when you are going to focus on something like like the uh, comic book and nerd culture. A lot of times that is germinated early in one's life. Did you get that early start in your love for comics, or was this something that you kind of came upon later? So great question. So my dad, he um. He got me into comics when I was like five years old. He bought me my first Spider-Man comic. I remember it was Scorpion on the cover. Uh, I can't remember the actual issue, but um, I do remember it was a, like, you know, one of those like, uh, I think John Romita covers, you know, from back in the day and everything. Nice. But um, he he took me to a newsstand and that that just changed my life and everything. Um, back, it was... Um, I think it was losses in Cleveland. You know, I used to go up to that corner store all the time to get my comics. And um, when I first discovered uh, there was actually comic book stores, that totally just changed my life. You know, I learned how to read through comics and everything. I learned the value of literacy, you know, literacy through like, you know, comics and stuff. So my my, my, um, my love has been embedded with me, thankfully, you know, from my dad, um, back from, you know, way back when I was five and all the way up to like today, I would have never known I would, this, this thing would have just stuck, stuck with me as long as it has, but it's just ingrained. Um, it's something that just can't be removed from me. I mean, it's in my DNA and blood. I love everything about the colors, the artwork, um, you know, the writing, anything about comics, the smell, you know, you know, you get that fresh comic smell and everything, you know, coming into like a comic book store. <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's, it's just something that just moves me. Well, I know we uh, have a great love, especially for the local comic book store here in Bloomington, Indiana, called uh, Vintage Phoenix. Ah, okay. Uh, but talking to owners of comic book stores across the United States, many of them have the same kind of thought process in that, mm-hmm. that yeah, they're going to carry Marvel. They're going to carry DC. They're going to carry these big things. But the people that they tend to really like to promote are those that are going to create things in their own sort of way and have that kind of that kind of local community ties have you had a chance to to really sink your your private press into some local comic book shops have you managed to get it to start to to spread out into into the surrounding regions yeah, that's that's my mission, um, you know, for this year. So last year it was when I first started, you know, making this comic, the theme of these um, in a in a in a, um, you know, more of a printed, you know, edition. I, I did my Kickstarter last May for the first issue and then I did my second Kickstarter last December for the second issue um, and, um, you know, gotten that out and everything earlier this year. And I've actually, you know, done a few conventions to, you know, just get the book out there to see, to see, the, to, to test it out, to see how it is with the fans and everything. And now my mission is to, to work it through like, you know, comic shops and everything. So that is my um, aim and goal, um, you know, for getting like the, you know, theme of thieves out there. So yes, it will be in the comic book stores, you know, this year. Ooh. Oh, okay. So this is a little bit more of behind the scenes stuff, I guess you can say. So tell me about you shopping, searching for your, your print service, right? Like, tell me about who you had to go through to get the stuff on the paper, who created it and printed it 
and mm-hmm. you know like the order that you made like that first order like yes this is it like tell me a little bit of some of those behind the scenes things oh yeah absolutely so um I, it took me about a couple years to you know even come down with this concept and everything it's been batting in my back of my you know back of my head for like you know a, a while um so every chance i got i got to um take my um my phone <laughs> and 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 Hey, hey, Siri, you know, put down some ideas and everything for reminders and stuff, you know, get them into like the script form, um, you know, jot down ideas and, you know, get onto the computer, get them in the script form and then get it ready for, um, you know, my artist, um, Dan Ekis, you know, shout out to him, you know, who does like all the artwork for, you know, the theme of thieves. Um, once I got the story and everything down, oh, before I got it to the artist, I actually put my, um, my, my script through like a workshop. Okay, because I couldn't afford like an editor at the time. So I I went to like a workshop group, which it consisted of like, you know, um, five or six people um, who more or less was, you know, does like novels and stuff. So my comic was like the first one they've done and they critiqued it. They 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 actually just tore it apart, you know, and told me the things that they liked, the things that they didn't like, um, things I could improve on and everything. And it was just such valuable 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 stuff for me because they did say i was headed in like the right direction because they liked the story and the concepts but it's some things i needed to um you know fine tune in order to get that out there and one of the best things that they they, they said to me was like um you shouldn't put this out as a, a whole graphic novel because that was my intentions on doing that first split it up into chapters you know because I had a whole thing written. <laughs> I had at least about like 150 pages of something written. But um, they said, take it down, split it down, and then feed it, you know, feed it to um, people that way to see how it is. Um, and it's it's worked so far. So I hope to, con- you know, continue it that way. And then um, once I got it to like the, um, once I went through that, I, I got it to my artist. Um, I met my artist in Pittsburgh at a Steel City Con. Um um, so we got together and, you know, he liked my script and everything. And I liked his work and I was searching artists all over Instagram and um, DeviantArt and everything to try to find um, the best one to fit my style and just looked up upon him. And, you know, it was a blessing that he was able to do sequential work because it's not easy to find artists that actually, you know, does sequential work um, and actually want to continuously get paid for it. So I was blessed to find him. And then, um, you know, I found my colorist in Mexico. I actually, I actually haven't met her yet in person, but, you know, we, we um, you know, email and stuff back and forth all the time. I commissioned her to, you know, to color my work. And um, also my letterer, um, um, Alex Ziaf, she does my coloring and um, Marco Della Verde does my lettering and everything. So shout out to them. Um, and then finally, you know, once all that stuff is in the pot, um, they send me back everything and I, you know, I approve it. And, you know, it's, it's once it's to my satisfaction, then I choose, I try to choose a printer. And yes, um, <laughs> I've, I've had to choose a, a couple to choose from. Um, I went with Comic Impressions, who um, was a really good recommendation from a, um, another group that I'm um, in a Facebook group I, I'm in. And, you know, they they've done like a um, they've done a really good job on like, you know, the first issue and everything. So I was really happy about that. Once I got the first, you know, once I got the copy back, you know, uh, of the work, I got super excited. It was like my first comic. You know, I did like a video on it. You can see it on my YouTube channel. It was just a sight to see for me because I was just so excited and so happy about it. So, you know, in a roundabout way to answer your question, I mean, that that was the the, the um, a process all the way up into me getting um, to, to seeing that first print come off the, um, the, the, the printers. Yeah, that that had to be exciting. Just getting that <laughs> getting that box or envelope. If it was just a single episode and just just. <laughs> taking it real slow, just just edging it out there, you know, prolonging yeah, yeah, the joy yeah. that you've got. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So here's here's my question. So I'm creating something new. I'm putting myself in your shoes, and, okay. and, and putting it out there. Uh, my first thing I think of is, okay, who is the first person I want to show this? So who was the first person you wanted to show your finished product to? And did they react the way you hoped they would? <laughs> first person I showed it to was my wife. <laughs> I said, wife, I, I said, I finally did it. <laughs> I, I told you I was going to do this. 
and she didn't believe. Well, it's not that she didn't believe me, but you know, I, I've I've had like you know ideas and everything. I've done certain things before, um, but this was something I was extremely passionate about. And I told her, you know, the plan and everything, um, um, as far as how I was going to go about it. And finally, it got done. You know, and when the finished product was out there, um, I got into my hands, babe. I done it. I did it. Here you go. You know, check it out. You know, she got to see a lot of stuff before I actually sent it off to print. But to actually see a physically printed book, I mean, it was an exciting thing. So she was the first person I, sh- you know, that I um that I um let see the um the the first issue there. Well, it, it, it sounds like she was definitely the, the supportive kind uh, of person that you needed it to be rather than like, what is it, Gabriel Iglesias that, that has a, ah, I, I can't even do it right. Do it poor justice, but just that, that, that look that knows like, ah, you didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. I, mean, I like that. Yeah. It, it takes a lot to, to to put a creation together and everything. And I mean, you get nervous when you put your baby out. You you you, you make the you make the food and everything, and you create it. And I, I'm not a woman, so I don't know how pregnancy is, and I don't know how to have a baby or whatever. But you know, I felt like this was my baby coming out into the world, and for it to be judged at the end of the day. So um, you have that factor too. So you know, she <laughs> she I knew I had her support, all, all you know, all rated and everything. Um, but I also, you know, wanted her critical ear on um, what, what she thought of it and everything. And, you know, she gave me my, her honest opinion and, uh, you know, she thought it was good, you know. Um, that's <laughs> fortunately that's for all me, you can hope for. I, <laughs> I, I feel like we spoke to uh, somebody else who had their coloring done from an, mm-hmm. from someone in South America. Here. The, um, the one that did the cookbook comic oh yeah 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 it, it, to me obviously that's something that couldn't have been done in realistic terms you know maybe even 20 years ago but now with technology the way it is it's just like you can send it they can do their work and they can get it back to you and it's just like the, the whole process of reviewing editing going back and forth you're doing it across the world to me that's like it's such an incredible concept yeah yeah um and it, uh, the the great thing about that is it opens your it opens your world up to many different people you could collaborate with so you're not just looking in your you know local area or you know from referrals and everything you you know if you search the internet an uh, internet enough you're going to find something that you want you know and hopefully that they can actually um you know, you know, collaborate with you to, you know, to get the work done. And like I said, I mean, I've had like a, you know, some good fortune in this, you know, aspect and everything to, to get these, you know, get this work done by, you know, Dan and, you know, Alex and everything. So yeah, not even having to met her and she doesn't really speak, you know, a ton of English and everything. Um, You know, the translations that come from, you know, the emails, the technology that comes from that to make her understand what I want. I mean, it's just amazing. Now, I, I have to say one thing. When I was looking at the, the press materials that you gave me, and, uh, you know, I already had the impression when we talked, like, you know, I think this is a dude that I could hang out with, you know, have a drink. We get along pretty well. But then when you said, yeah, uh, this is uh, kind of inspired in a, in a sort of way, you know, back in the quantum leaps, like, okay, yeah, he's, he's going to be my best friend because that was my show back in the day. You know, watching Scott Bakula not quite know where he was for half an hour. <laughs> Each week, yeah, 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 <laughs> well, yeah. network television, you have like two channels. Well, <laughs> I had probably five channels, but to have that type of show that's something that you could watch in regularity with you know, no DVR, maybe a VCR if you programmed it right and had enough tapes to be able to watch it. But that was yeah. one of the few shows that I tried to catch whenever it was on TV. Was that one of yeah. your formative shows? Oh man, that was appointment TV for me. You know, um, I think it came on like eight o'clock on NBC on Wednesday nights. You know, um, I was there. You know, as soon as you know, I trying to figure and and the way they left off the episode in the cliffhanger where he would let you know leap into like another body and you right. know um, they had like a different scenario, whole different type of uh, scene and scenario that you know that he had to to um, you know um, get into and then you know he leaves off the episode. Oh boy. 
Yeah. You know? <laughs> that was just like, you know, just that I was there next week. You know, you had me coming back next week. So, I mean, it was a um, it was a very, very I love Quantum Leap. I yeah. mean, that was one of my favorite shows. I, I always love the, the chance. I mean, I, I I love or hate, you know, the, the the cliffhanger end of any show or book or but just the way they would do that, the, the one that really got me when I go, it's like, oh, I really have to see that. I don't know if I want to see that one. You know, the one that they did with the JFK assassination where he jumps into Lee Harvey Oswald's like, ah, no, yeah. oh, yeah. ooh, yeah. I don't know if I'm ready for this one. Yeah. 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 Where yeah. exactly are you? What t- what's the time? <laughs> uh, this, it, could, this could go really badly. It, if yeah. that was the show that you were appointment television on, you know, uh, before, do you have something like that now? I I oof, okay, I had that um and lost, and that was my like one of my other influences and everything. Um, Game of Thrones was another one that um was appointment TV for me. As of right now, I wouldn't say there's any like appointment television because it's just so much stuff out there to watch. You know, you can binge mo. I mean, you can binge and you know record stuff and watch it on your own time. So there's nothing really I can say that I have to say I have to be here at nine o'clock. You know, um, because social so I won't have social media spoil it and everything. You know, um, or like a certain time thing. But um, the the last two I can think of off just off the bat is um, Game of Thrones and Lost. <laughs> I didn't want those. I didn't want. I, I I had to be there at the time that they started, and because I didn't want it spoiled by you know social media or my friends or what have you. Yeah, I think I'm better call saw on that one right now <laughs> well and those are those Love are new show. but but even game of thrones at the time there wasn't an hbo max there's an hbo now that you could go look but like it's it's wasn't the same where those things just popped up and i felt like on sunday nights maybe for a while it was the walking dead and then you'd have the walking dead overlapping with game of thrones a lot of times so that that was probably that you're right that was for me probably the last one was like well it's sunday and now i've got to go at this particular time to watch these shows <laughs> and if you think about it you're right everything even if it's on a network you can go to the app and watch it the next day but you're right you can't wait too long or else every it's going to get real with my, <laughs> yeah don't wait too long some, yeah, yeah some tweets going to have just some word in it or like some article is going to have a title to it. You don't even read the article. You just read the title. You're like, okay, uh, it's worthless now. It's, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. frustrating some, way. Some to... advertisement on the side or yep. whatever, some extended article, whatever is spoiling and everything. So, yeah, I mean, it's this it's just the, the you know, way of technology and social media nowadays. You know, everybody wants to talk about something and, you know, it's there to talk about if, you know, it's, it's pretty much on you. You know, if you don't want to be spoiled, just don't go on social media. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. And probably the thing that most people want to talk about right now more than anything is where we are on social media. Hey there, Pudding People. Don't forget to check us out on our social media accounts so you can keep apprised of everything that we do any time of the day. Richard, you're most on Instagram, right? On the Gram Gram, yes. And what are we best known on Instagram as? Pudding Guys. Easy enough. In fact, that's also what we're known as on Facebook. Now, I'd say we're on Instagram just a little more than we are on Facebook. You might get the occasional update there. We are most active on Twitter, where we are at Real Pudding Guys. Uh, we will give you updates about the next episode that's going to be coming at the end of the week when it's released. Any other little updates to the Ultimate Comic Movie Database or the Pop Culture Death Counts will also be there. Um, now, our most exciting changes are going to be coming up soon. We're going to have a new website called Fate, the Film and Television Engine. We're getting close to doing the beta for that. We're still working on the alpha side. We'll be doing a little closed beta and inviting a handful of people into this. I tell you what, it's going to be really, really cool when it releases. Now, you'll be able to also hear about that on our Patreon page. What are we on Patreon, Richard? Pudding guys. Pretty easy. Now, right now, it's very easy to support us. How much does it cost, Richard? It's one dollar per month per month not per day per month <laughs> yes twelve dollars 
for a year. Yeah, uh, that's really not much to help support us as we release new content, as we get better equipment to release the content into. And when the Fate engine comes out, it will have its own cost, and we're going to make it very affordable for everyone to be involved with this. And it's going to be so cool. I can't wait for you all to hear about it. Informative, as always. Always being the keyword because it's always in the podcast. That's right. So it's, it's like a, it's like our lunches: nutritious, delicious. Well, maybe not. Okay, no, that, that's stretching it just a little, little too much. All right. So we talked a little bit about the origins of how your comic was created and some of the process of putting it together and where you want it to be. But mm-hmm. what about influences? Who influenced you most in in the way that you look at pop culture and consume it and the way that you want to create the stories that you create? Who do you think had the biggest impact on how you look at this? Yeah, so um, um, my my biggest um, (laughs) my biggest three um, are Alan Moore, you know, creator of of Watchmen and, you know, a dozen other, you know, legendary icon and everything. So um you know shout out to him um frank miller who um did the dark knight returns um as a young as a young young a youngin <laughs> those two comics were like the most indelible like the most influential most uh, you know turnabout things that i can think of that made me think um uh, that made me realize comics was much bigger than um, the superpower stuff that I used to read, you know, the the regular Batman, like, you know, um, it, 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 you know, more adult type, you know, content that I realized that you realize that comics can actually be with like the Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen. You know, I didn't really understand Watchmen a whole lot when I first initially read it. Um, but as I got older and more mature, man, it, 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 it got to be a, just a really great read right there. So those two, and then Damon Lindelof, he's a um, television writer for Lost and The Leftovers. And um, he recently did like the Watchmen, you know, Watchmen um, HBO, um, HBO series and everything. So he's a really great influence on, um, um, you know, it's more contemporary, you know, uh, writers and everything. So those are like, you know, my big three as far as like, um, you know, writer and, you know, writer and creator, you know, of content. So if there was a, you said Watchmen and you you said a few other ones. Is there one that's just your absolute favorite, even though you got a lot of inspiration from Watchmen and, and, you know, the, the Batman series and things like that by Frank Miller, was there... One, even when you were younger, like you said, your dad handed you one when you were five. Was there one that just stuck with you from five until now? Like, is there, a, like, this is my favorite. It's my hardcore. It's my go-to. Oh, man. Um, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, it's it's just a bunch of stuff I, I used to read that 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 have lasted to me. I'm, I'm thinking right off the bat, um, John Burns' Man of Steel. You know, that nice. miniseries um, when um, right after Crisis of Infinite Earth ended, you know, the Man of Steel series, um, that was a really uh, a game changer as far as me liking actually Superman, you know, because I wasn't a real big Superman fan before him. But John Byrne, you know, in, in his um, in his hands, it actually made me a big, a, a good Superman fan. Um, it's a long hair. And right? then um, it's yep. a long, long hair. And, <laughs> mm-hmm, yep. Yep. And then um, David Mazzuccelli and Frank Miller's um, Batman Year One was a really big thing that stuck with me nice. for a while because I've never seen I've never seen Batman drawn in that that type of um, aspect, you know. Um, I mean, right before then, you had like comic books were um, weren't as mature as we as we talked about and everything, but the Batman Year One, especially David Mazzuccelli's um, artwork, made Batman so much more you know, grounded, made it so much more realistic. You know, I've never, I've never seen Batman drawn like that. And that, that was one that was really stuck with me, um, you know, a whole life. Basically, I guess the whole, the whole crisis on infinite earth, you know, um, extended stuff was a, you know, big, you know, influence because it changed the way DC did, you know, comic characters and just reinvented, you know, like, you know, a lot of their main, you know, characters were like Wonder Woman and Superman and Batman and everything. 
Um, so off the bat, that's that's what that's, that's what I'm thinking about. Um, Secret Wars over at Marvel. <laughs> you know, that, that was um, the Marvel Superhero Secret Wars series and everything because I used to play with like a lot of the toys and stuff. So the comic fell right in, you know, right right into my hands and stuff is is like a really good thing. Um, man, that's 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 a good question there. <laughs> It's sometimes hard to find just one one favorite because so many different things reflect different aspects of your taste, different aspects of your personality. That, and uh, there's so much that can be had. Taking your your interpretation, your your story is not what I would call from let's say 20 years ago, not traditional comic book fair, not what you would think of as the tights and spandex and and the cape kind of thing it's it's intended to tell a story that seems to be more grounded in reality and psychology and uh, interpersonal relationships and history and that's the thing that got me that that kind of piqued my interest that historical aspect what is your goal in this story about presenting history how are you going to try and weave that into your tale so um, I'm a big superhero fan. I'm, 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 but that that was like I said in my DNA and everything. But you know I've gotten a lot older. You know a lot more mature in my um, you know taste and everything. And while I love superhero you know concepts and stuff, I felt that um, I wanted to create something outside of that you know that um, that genre if you want to call it, um, and create something more ground. I, grounded is such a like an overused term and everything, but um, but it is what it is. I wanted to to make something sci-fi because um, I love time travel. I, I love maybe um, relatable characters. Uh, yeah, relatable. Yeah, there you go. Exactly, relatable. And um, for something that um, people for people who aren't really into comics, they can actually come on board and actually read my stuff and not see the confusion of different panels and different you know um, artwork and everything overlapping panels and stuff. Um, while, you know, I, I do like that stuff, I think it's really confusing for people who are really trying to get into comics um, to try to to understand exactly where to follow, you know, the different, um, you know, um, the story, you know, within like a, on a page and everything. Because comics nowadays, to me, especially Marvel and DC, um, they, they do a lot. A lot of the artwork is great, but they do a lot of action and you know, stuff as far as overlapping panels that um, that is just to me just confusing to, to to new readers. And I wanted to make my comic more you know palatable to like you know new readers and people who actually you know just getting into like the genre. Um, so that's why my influence um, as far as like the nine panel setup. If you you know check my my my, my comic out, the nine panel setup and more like like the more traditional type of setup for my comic was a more, um, as you say, relatable um, thing for, for people who are just, you know, getting into, into that type of thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. When you're, when you were coming up with the, the design, did you have anything that you go, it's like, oh, that would lend itself really well. What was your first, okay, let me re rephrase that. Cause I realize at the moment that the two sides of my brain are not cooperating at the moment. Is there a historical period that you just immediately, okay, that is the first place that I want to go to? Yeah, yeah. And you asked that question before, just to, you know, go back to that. Um, I'm using the time travel aspects as like the, um, the I guess, the MacGuffin, the gimmick or whatever, to, to put these characters in the situations, just like how they did in Quantum Leap, you know, to put these characters in the situation where I can tell like, um, I could tell stories about that that are either of you know interest of um, you know dis different historical aspects where people didn't realize things you know like this have actually happened, um, and using these characters and their perspectives on you know their lives and everything to to really to really make more of an understanding of how people were you know, in certain time periods and everything. So, you know, each time period that they end up going into, you know, they'll have to, to react in a certain way. They'll have to be a certain way. And the characters that are already in that time period are going to react to them, you know, in a different type of way, um, um, you know, from that period, 
um, just like, you know, with, 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 with Sam Beckett and Quantum Leap, he had to adjust, you know, and actually go with like the, the, the flow and everything. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it go with the flow for that, that period until he actually got into a situation where he found out, okay, what am I here for? What I do, I need to resolve and everything. And my characters, they're not always, they're not always going to be resolving certain things in a, you know, in a period, but they are going to be learning themselves and the characters that um, that are in those peers are going to be learning the things from them. But also the audience, to me, is going to be learning something from all the characters, you know, from the time periods. Like if you didn't really know um, that that things that have happened to certain people in a certain um, you know period that you know, I mean, you're now going to know. And through the education of my comic, hopefully, you know, people can be more enlightened um, through the um, aspect of entertainment, through science fiction and everything. And I think Ken was more asking also, when you look at the historical time period, is there a, a specific period? Like, I'm a huge, like, World War II era history mm-hmm. nut. Like, if you give me some type of presentation on that, I, I love learning about what people had to go through in that time frame, whether it was here, whether it was in Europe, whether it was in Asia, that stuff just boggles my mind. But is there a specific time frame for you? Uh, 1800s, 1700s, you're like, man, I'm really interested in that history segment in general. Yeah, right off the bat, I'm I'm like really interested in like the um um what happened during the Salem witch trials and stuff. <laughs> why why you know why they were doing those things to like you know um all those people when you know in reality nothing was really going on. Um, I'm interested on how you know people reacted to that, and I'm putting my characters into situations where you know they'll have to deal with certain things too because you know there it's just, it's sort of like you know uh, which witchcraft or you know or magic or whatever. Um, and 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 because my my situation that I have these characters in, where the world, uh, where the world that they're living in, people casually just disappear, you know, and there's no rhyme or reason, there's no um, there are no no cause, no type of like you know closure. Um, this is another element that's added on to like how the politics and like how religion, how culture, you know, through these different time periods that they're going to, that they're going to also have to deal with and everything. So you have this, this, this phenomenon that doesn't happen in real life. That's happening in in my world. I call it evanescence and everything. Um, So in my world of evanescence, you know, while I am going through these different time periods, there is a still a supernatural or uh, or or out you know outlying phenomena that's happening that these characters are that everyone is still going to have to deal with along with like the daily you know um, um, politics religion you know culture and everything. Although I have to admit, when I was looking through the first issue, because of that particular title for it, I was searching for Amy Lee to be the bad guy in, in the first <laughs> issue. Yeah. Nowhere to be found. I. Yeah, when he said that, I was like, "Oh, that's right." I'm one, one of my favorite singers. <laughs> uh, so, what do you envision for this run? How long uh, do you think that it will take you to tell this story completely, or is it one of those open-ended things that you feel that you could continue to tell as long as people want to keep reading the stories? So that that's a really good question. So, um. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking off the bat like 24 issues, but you know, in the same aspect, you know, while I do have an ending in mind on you know how how how, how I wanted to go about, um, if I, I this the world is built as if I can continue telling stories as long as the world is, you know. So while it may end with these group of characters that I start with and everything, I could end up still telling stories from another aspect in the same world that's totally different from what these, what my main characters are actually going through. So the world is built for, you know, a lot of stories to be told and it doesn't matter if I'm telling them with like, you know, my, my starting, you know, my starting crew, you know, um, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to um, completely end that way. Or if, if, if I just leave it in the hands of someone else that wants to tell like, you know, stories from my world and everything um, it, it leaves like a, um, it leaves it leaves like a lot of possibilities. Okay, something not related to what we've just been talking to. I love doing that. Um, 
<laughs> you had uh, mentioned some of your favorite comics, and we're in this era now where a lot of these things are coming to life. You know, there's a lot of thought that the the Secret Wars it might be where Marvel's heading with their current iteration of all their movies. And, you know, DC has their ups and downs, and arguably their animated features are you know, far superior than their live action ones in a lot of, yes. a lot of senses. Yes. Um, I guess the question is in general, overall, what are your thoughts on, you know, these last 10, 15 years of all these things kind of coming to a screen, whether it's a big screen or a small screen, uh, whether they're good, bad, or in, indifferent, and then a side specific question, since we talked about Batman a little bit, have you seen the new movie, The Batman? Great question, Richard. Um, yes, I have seen The Batman. And I, at the movie theater, I thought it was a really, really good movie. <laughs> um, when I when I seen it the second time on HBO Max, I actually fell asleep while watching it. And I don't know why, you know, it was a, it's, it's a long movie. Um, but I'm I'm glad the movie featured Batman's detective skills because that's something that we haven't gotten, you know, with um, the actual Batman, you know, character and everything. Um, so they have a lot of ways they can go with it. And um, I'm happy with the way they began. Like, you know, this Batman, I thought it could have been a little shorter. Um, but, you know, um, it's, it's, it's a solid Batman movie. I'm, I'm not I'm not mad at it and everything. Um, now, as far as like how how the last 10 to 15 years, this stuff is coming to the screen. It's been the most glorious thing I've ever happen, ha, had happen in my lifetime because, Rich, I grew up on this stuff. It was my dream to have, you know, see my favorite characters and favorite, you know, um, superheroes and stuff right up on screen and everything. So as an adult, <laughs> it's, it's like a dream come true. When the first Avengers movie came out, I... I I, I'm ashamed to say it, but I mean, it, reality is what it is. I was like, I hope um, if I if I have to die, I hope it's after. <laughs> it can't be before the Avengers right? movie comes out. You know, the first Avengers movie because I never see anything like that. You know, with with um like characters coming from different franchises crossing over into something whole. You know that that was something that's never that's never that's never happened in the history of movies. You know. Um, and for that to, to continue on for these, these past few years and everything, it's been the best thing that's happening. I'm like a hardcore MCU fan. I love DC stuff, you know, even though they could be done, you know, done a lot better, but they still, you know, managed to put some stuff, some good quality stuff on the screen. It's been, it's been a great, it's been a great ride and I hope it doesn't end anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no doubt about that. I, if you'd have told 13 year old me that uh, I would get a chance to see Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet on a big screen, and I wouldn't be the only one in the theater, and it would be really good, and everybody would cheer. I said, yeah. you're lying. There's no right. chance. It's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, no. Well, I'll even go back, you know, steps before that. Um, I used to work in – we've talked about it on the podcast. I used to run movie theaters, so, like, I worked mm -hmm. at movie theaters – when the first set of the X-Men movies came out and growing up, I was always a huge X-Men family like that. That that was my favorite. And to see mm -hmm. them come to the big screen um, to me was to me was a big deal. Yeah. Right. And yeah. they were kind of the precursor that and Blade, I guess you could say, were kind of the yeah. precursor to what we're really seeing now. And it was I think a bigger deal looking back on it, you know, knowing the popularity of everything that was going on right now. So yeah, huge, huge shift in how people consume things for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like what I, I look at is chasing like a high. So mm -hmm. um, I'm, like I said, when, when Blade came out, you know, um, I sort of like pass it off as like one of those other movies that, you know, you really shouldn't pay attention to. And then, you know, I, I didn't go see it in the theaters when it came out. Um, I caught it when, when it came on, like, um, I guess on TV or what have you, found out it was a really good movie, you know, and then I think 
X-Men came out after that, or and then Spider-Man came out after that. That was really a game changer with when Sam Raimi Spider-Man came out. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, oh, wow, they're, they're really doing it. <laughs> they're really bringing my favorite characters to like the screen and everything. X-Men, Spider-Man, you know, um, and then they, they had like a, 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 a you know, um, Hollywood started believing in, you know, these characters and then Marvel, you know, MCU ended up taking over and everything. And then, you know, the history, history was made there, but, you know, uh, as, as Kim was saying, you, you, you go back to young me um, and you tell young me that, okay, you know, these things were, were going to be happening in the future and stuff. I would have never believed it because I've, gr- I've grown up in, in school, you know, going to school and was told that comic books were like corny, you know, you were not popular. You know, um, if you read comics and stuff, none of the stuff that you're going to is, you know, reading is going to amount to anything and everything. So why are you so much into that stuff? But, you know, I, 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 I was still into it, deep into it. Now, look where it's at now. Nerd culture is like the culture, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's like the dominant culture now that the revenge of the nerds came true. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, definitely. Except for the, the problematic portions of the film. We're going to ignore that part. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but okay. So often when we talk to actors and, and, and such on the show, we ask a specific question. We're going to twist that question just a little bit. And usually we ask an actor, well, if you had a chance to play any comic book character, who would you play in a film? So going from a writer's standpoint, if you had mm-hmm. the chance to write any comic book character into a big screen film, who would it be? Any comic book character into a big screen. Oh man. Oh man. Um any comic book character? See, I it's that that's a hard one, kid. I mean, you, you stumped me on that one, you know. Um I don't know why 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 I'm just thinking and, and this is not and and this is not so much comic book, but I've I've been a Knight Rider fan like you know for so long, um, and I'm heavy into like Kid Michael Knight and everything. I would love to 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 take a crack at that, <laughs> you know, either make that into like a solid movie or just you know make it into like a wholly different TV show, something from different from what all the different reboots that they tried and everything. So I got like a few ideas for that, um. <laughs> just to just to just to throw it because that was just floating in my mind for whatever reason from that question um i don't know why i don't know why i don't know why i say would think like batman but batman has been done so many times over i feel that you know um i could put my two cents into it you know um i do have some few ideas with that so if i was to 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 think about like you know a character i guess batman <laughs> Maybe it may be cliche. Hey, there's no wrong answer. It's all about where the love is. <laughs> and, a, and a lot of times, you know, the the best part of a superhero story is actually the bad guy. So it might be more of, okay, if we did Batman, who would the bad guy be that we haven't seen on screen before? Or even an offshoot. We like we've really we've really never seen a good Robin. No. We've definitely not seen <laughs> Nightwing at all. Like, right. like that would be the direction I'd like to. That's just so hard to develop. But you already have to have an existing system where Robin, right. either you're doing Robin who's been trained and he's just been doing things for a while. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're skipping a whole bunch of stuff or yeah. you're having a Robin that's really old and is, in you know, ready to leave the nest in a certain sense. And then you have to have like you're missing all this transitional. So it'd be a hard, hard oh, set no. of characters. No, to no, do, do it. Do it. The words right out of my mouth. Yeah. Do I it mean, in the middle of it. right there. Middle of it. Flashbacks. All you get with the flash, cause you got to have the flashbacks, right? Flashbacks to Batman. You never see Batman in whole. You see like his leg, his hand, cause you're a little <laughs> kid. You never get anything. There's, there's some big battle. You see a bit of the Cape and it's always some condescending. It's like, you can do better. Yeah. <laughs> Just that's all you get yeah. with the flashbacks, and that's what leads him to be who he is. And it's like Nightwing, but what if he wasn't successful? He hangs out in like bars and <laughs> he tries to pick fights with people that are picking on people, and you know, he's half right. drunk when it happens. And it just it, that could be a lot of fun, I think. Yeah. Only if Starfire yeah. was there. 
<laughs> I, I would probably take a crack at Fantastic Four and, um, you know, um, do it. If they're going to bring them back into the MCU, I would start them back in the 60s, you know, just do a 60s movie, um, you know, in that time period. Now, if they need to jump them into like the 21st century, like how they did Steve Rogers, that's a possibility. But I think I would I would take them back to the 60s and just have fun with it. That would be a lot you know, of fun. Something different. Really retro. Mm-hmm. Have some really awful, cheesy-looking, uh, their little flying vehicle that merges together. Yep. Yeah. He's, yep. he's mm-hmm. a genius. I've been developing this machine that can cook your food. It's the size of a refrigerator. It's like, yeah, it's a microwave. <laughs> it's right there. Yeah, just go bunkers off the wall. Have super fun with it. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I got to say, it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you on the show here. Um, to get your comic right now, they can just go onto your website, right? And yes. just get a copy yeah, of it just, there. Just go to themathies.com until we get it out in the store. So you'll get an exclusive copy. And, you know, um, depending on when you order it, um, I can possibly sign it for you as well. So um, so just be on the lookout for that. But, yeah, you could go right onto the website, themethese.com, um, and, you know, purchase my stuff. Of course, that you can follow me on, um, you know, social media um, at Dog Pound Brown, D-A-W-G-P-O-U-N-D-B-R-O-W-N, um, Facebook, Twitter, and also on Instagram. And I host the um, – um, uh, Star Wars podcast every Wednesday at 10 p.m. Um, we'll be actually getting into like this Obi Wan, you know, series coming up here next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right now we're like reviewing like Darth Vader comics and everything, you know, from like the Marvel, you know, and, um, um, stuff. Nice. But um, every Wednesday we it's called Carbonite Bounty BS. I got my cohorts, um, you know, Still City and um, Ken and T Mitch and everything on the Nurse Encyclopedia YouTube channel. So, yeah, I'm, I'm everywhere. <laughs> well, definitely watch out for this guy. This is a really fun story. If you want a chance to get into something without having to have any baggage of pre-existing universe, just have fresh story, this is a great opportunity to do so. Take a look at this. Check it out. Support your smaller local creators. This is a great way to do it. Thank you again, Mr. Brown. Thank yeah, I, I appreciate it. Just one more plug and everything. You know, if, if like you were saying before, if, if you're not into superheroes but want to read some good sci-fi time traveling stuff, my stuff is about three teen, two teens and a mysterious being. They're traveling through time to try to solve a mystery of why people are disappearing in the present. So imagine if people just randomly disappear, like I said before. It's been happening since the 1700s. No closure, but um, – but, um, <laughs> it's been happening since the 1700s all the way up to like present um and i'm dealing with like culture politics and religion um that's what the theme of thieves is about that that's Excellent. gonna be so much fun yeah very good and that's where the music fades <laughs> how'd that go for you is that good Oh, that was good. I, I, I sorry, I had to. Um, I, 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 I didn't even explain like the whole the thing of the story and everything, even though you asked the questions and stuff. So, just wanted to get that little plug in. <laughs> well, well, maybe we can, we can, we'll get you back on again. We'll talk about it more because okay. we, we love, we love uh, just geeking out with people and and the inter- Oh yeah, it was a fun conversation. I loved it. When episode <laughs> three hits the shelves. <laughs> yeah, that's the that that that's the perfect timing. Do you know when you're going to um, do the Kickstarter for the third issue? Yeah, it'll probably be sometime in September, October. I'm thinking more or less October, October-ish okay. and everything. So, um, yeah, you'll you'll be hearing from me. Yeah, I we'll definitely have to have you on again because, like I said, I, I love supporting the local creators. That's that's the thing that's just awesome. We talked to um, Stuart Sager here just a couple of weeks ago, one of our favorite kind of more local oh, artists, okay. and he's he's from Indy. Yeah, so, so just seeing uh, seeing that is is the fun part for me. Yeah, I got to get out to one of you guys' cons and everything. I've heard the, um, some some good things about your area. So if you want to go to Indy, PopCon is a good one, Indy PopCon. Okay. Um, there are some smaller local cons that if you're trying to be more cost-effective that you can get a, a, a into. Uh, if you want to go to the biggest one, that's going to be Gen Con each year. It's, Gen Con, okay. It's technically a gaming convention, uh, board games. Okay. Uh, card games, things like that. But if you want the widest group of people to expose your stuff to, 
that's where mm-hmm. you want to go because they mm-hmm. okay they take have you been to indianapolis's convention center before no no i've been to indianapolis but not their convention center okay mm-hmm. so basically where the stadium is where the the football games happens attached right to the convention center but when gen con occurs it not only takes over the entire convention center which uh, let's compare it to to the Cleveland Convention Center. Okay. The Indianapolis Convention Center is approximately probably five times larger than the Cleveland Convention Center, and it takes over all of that. It takes over oh, the wow. stadium. It takes over all of the hotels connected to it. It oh, takes wow. basically anything within half a mile of downtown is Gen Con. Huh. Okay. So like tri- huh. triple digits, uh, tens of thousands of people that are they're huh. streaming through that so booth space a lot of times you know people like group together to kind of share some booth space yeah. cost yeah. but it that if you yeah. want to really get your stuff out there and see a bunch of people that's a good convention to do it yeah i mean it's a bunch of them out there so i know i eventually get around to it so you know but yeah i, I definitely would love to get out that way yeah well i wish you the best of luck sir i look forward to hearing about your third you. issue and we'll get you on again and talk and uh and uh, hopefully uh, you will uh, be able to enjoy the Obi-Wan show as much as I think I'm going to. <laughs> oh, yes. It's going to be awesome. Hope you guys check our own podcast out and everything, too. Definitely. Definitely will do. Thank you again, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Ken. Have a good day. All right. All right.